Back on the Fan Morning Show, Justin and Ailish, we're at 590. The Fan, the text line is quick to point out that Boston has a rich Irish heritage and the green shamrock connection could be why the Boston colors are green. And I do agree with that logic. And I think you are on to something. Maroon? I suppose. Maroon, we're getting a little bit of the uh, Montreal Maroons, which previous sports team could be like a testament to them. An homage? So um, we'll see. Not the Toronto Maple Leafs. That name is locked and loaded for this upcoming season, which begins tomorrow in terms of media day for the Maple Leafs. And we're bringing in David Alter, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. David Alter, Maple Leafs reporter at Sports Illustrated. And the hockey news was at the Maple Leafs golf tournament yesterday. How's your game, David? Are you more like a spectator and getting some TikTok content? Uh, well, definitely, uh, definitely more of a spectator, Eilish. Uh, you know, unfortunately, when we're there, it's just like talk to the players and, you know, they go play and we, we go work. So it's not as much fun for us, unfortunately. Okay, so whose game was the best? And did the Maple Leafs unlock a new TikTok generation with Matthew Nyes coming in? Because I saw so much content that they really hadn't you know, <laughs> endeavored into previously in season. So maybe they've uh, got a little bit more Gen Z in them. Yeah, you know what? It's probably a lot to do with that partnership they've got as well, too, right? Like mm-hmm. the the helmets and everything like that. I remember seeing, you know, the the big TikTok game last year for the Maple Leafs was uh, just getting them as they came off the ice and just asking them questions like, would you rather do this or mm-hmm. that? Or what's your favorite food? Or whatever the case may be. And now it's like, okay, uh, take take whatever trend is going and get the players involved in that. And so, um, you know, with, with, t- with their TikTok partnership, I'm sure they're getting all kinds of crazy access that we would like to know about in the social media age. But, um, yeah, the it certainly, we, we all saw it. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a part of me that also can't wait for this to get serious, too, and, and see what this team is all about. Yeah, I guess big helmet sponsor, bigger responsibilities, I suppose. Like, well, I think the Lightning had like a printing service on their helmets. Like, I don't think they're, <laughs> I, I think they're less uh, uh, things attached to it than uh, having TikTok on the helmet. But uh, that's the uh, reality of playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, one of the other realities is that things are going to be pretty interesting at a media day when all everyone gets to converse again uh there are going to be some storylines that are taken a little bit too far there are going to be things that are uh talked about maybe ad nauseum but we were we were going over it uh a little bit earlier in the 6 a.m hour like i don't know if it's the newsiest start to a leaf season that we've seen i mean the nylander story is big and the nylander story will be dealt with but i'm not sure there's any other massive massive points of intrigue to start this leaf season before we actually see anything play out so for you the biggest non nylander story uh for media day is what david yeah i think the biggest story for me non nylander is going to be how did the new guys fit into everything. I mean, the one big difference with Brad Tree living compared to Kyle Dubas and perhaps maybe why things weren't so crazy news-wise going into it is because the summer has been so newsworthy with the Austin Matthews extension and everything else. But um, I, I think you have to kind of look at, okay, Brad Tree living brought in guys that, unlike maybe in the past, you know exactly what the role is supposed to be. You're expecting Tyler Bertuzzi to play in the top six, likely with Matthews and Marner, but he didn't confirm that. Uh, I'm really curious to kind of see 
if that is, in fact, his go-to position to start the season. With Max Domi, I'm curious to see, you know, he's played all different kind of positions, but is he actually going to play on the wing, or is he going to be in the top six, or is he going to be in the top nine? So there's that. Uh, I'm really curious to see how Matthew Nyes does in the regular season. You know, he was thrown into uh, a crazy situation playing the final three games of the regular season and then performing really well in the playoffs. But uh, does he have a bit of a sophomore slump as the season ramps up because it usually starts more free-flowing and offensive as opposed to the middle of the ice and trying to – uh, play hard and physical in a physical game that the playoffs usually bring. So I'm curious to see how he does in a full season as well. There's just so many things, uh, but with with the Nylander stuff still kind of open, that's maybe the biggest story, but um, the Austin Matthews extension being locked up when it was, I think kind of cooled a lot of the anticipation of what what is up with this team in the future, because I think that was such a, a big piece to solve. Yeah, it'll definitely help the situation surrounding Matthews, right? Like I remember last year, there's a lot of intrigue waiting for him to come out. He's kind of, I don't even know. I don't, I don't think we ever, I don't know if he was with his agent, but he was with someone coming out. Like there was a lot of security around just like the messaging that day from Austin Matthews because it was a semi-big moment to start the year, even though we were so far away from him even being able to nego- negotiate anything. But it feels like the situation will be different for Matthews this year, right? Like maybe free of any drama, free of any constraints, free of like walls being put up by either the fan base or him or by the coaching staff or whatever. He's a Maple Leaf for the foreseeable future, and he did so in a way that is, I think, palatable for everyone. So do you expect the vibe to be any different around Austin Matthews this year, at least compared to the start of last year? I think the vibe will be different, but I think at some point as the season moves along, if the production isn't better than what it was last year, not saying he was bad last year, but uh, if he doesn't get closer to what he did in 21-22, I think people will start to wonder a little bit in terms of his health and and some of those other factors, just because you know he didn't look quite 100% last season. So I think a lot of the big questions are going to be, is whatever you were dealing with last year fully behind you that you can put up more goals this year than you did? Not to say he didn't put up a lot of goals last year, but 60 was something else, and somewhere in the 50s would probably be the expectation for someone like Austin Matthews. So so I think you look at that, you look at can he, he take his game to another level? Can he push the team to different results than they've got? They got that first-round win finally, but the way it ended in five games left a sour taste in a lot of Leaf fans' mouths. So there's going to be a lot there that he's going to have to try and prove from a personal and team standpoint to kind of really bring his game to that next level. Chatting with David Alter, uh, tomorrow the Maple Leafs have their media day to kick off this upcoming season. So you get an opportunity to talk to the players, but as a player myself, sometimes we just we say the same generic answer. So you might get something more from Sheldon Keefe or uh, Bride Trey Living. Is there a big question that you want to address? Is it about the goalie tandem? Is it about the offseason signings? Um, how they're going to approach this season in terms of their uh, defenseman lineup? Is there something that you know perks your interest most if you get an opportunity to talk to some of the guys in charge? Yeah, so the defense question is still one for me. I mean, when I was trying to project what this defense was going to look like going into the season, you know, they added John Klingberg, they've added some other bit players there, but the core is more or less the same. But then you kind of 
when you try to project the fence pairs, it's not quite clear. It doesn't quite make a lot of sense as to who should go with where. There was a lot of debate over on our side with the staff as to where you kind of put these guys. And and so because of that, I still feel like there's still going to be a lot of shuffling there, but could there be another change? Does an injury in training camp allow for some cap maneuvering to maybe remake the deal a little bit and make some sort of change? Because everything else was kind of addressed. John Klingberg is an offensive defenseman they, they really haven't had in a little while, but um, there are some issues defensively, which he's admitted. But then after that, what does this defense pair look like? Is it good enough? And so I'm curious about that. The goaltending tandem, not so much, just because Samsonov is kind of there as your guy to start Joseph Wall. Everyone's going to wonder if he's actually made enough of a step or if Martin Jones is going to get some games and can they keep him with the waiver situation because third goalies get snapped up like crazy. So there's that. Offensively, I think there's really no question about the Leafs in terms of what they brought. It's just that the new guys can kind of get in there. But now I'm curious to see how Brad Tree Living conducts his, his business. He's only been around for a few months. He said that it was like working through, uh, it's like drinking out of a fire hose trying to get this whole team set up and, and now I actually want to see what he's like on a day-to-day basis around the team because it's one thing to make these moves and kind of learn everything on the fly in an offseason, but you don't really know until you're actually around the guys on a daily basis, the whole team, what your 23 guys are in, in that regard. And then, and then the changes that happen there, I'm curious to see what he does and how he conducts his business as the team goes along and as as things go. And one more thing, I'm curious to see how Sheldon Keith does coach, if it changes, if it's the same, or if there are any things that are different with Kyle Dubas not around. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Sheldon Keith next. In a world where he's detached from Dubas uh, is an interesting one. I mean, he was given the, the two-year extension. He's got a lot of financial security here. It looked like someone who was kind of just like, being kept at an arm's reach initially by Trilliving and Shanahan, but now the investment is there. I mean, he should be feeling pretty comfortable, which is not how he felt, uh, I would imagine, to start the summer. You expect anything different from him? Uh, maybe a little bit. Like, um, I, I am curious. The, the, the big difference is Brandon Shanahan is still there, and he, he is really the de facto in terms of how the team operates, in terms of conduct in terms of a lot of those things but uh it might be a little different because as you might have seen from that amazon prime thing or whatever the case may be he does like to to go to council and 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 bounce things off people and and not having kyle dubas there i think will have some sort of effect where maybe there's going to be times where he might have to go more on gut feel on, on certain things than than just changing things up or, or, or grabbing the opinion of the general manager. He might still do that in Brad Tree Living, and, and Tree Living might give a completely different answer or opinion. So there's going to be those things. Um, but, you know, there are things like I remember when, when he'd rip into the team early in the season, and, and Sheldon Keith can be a pretty emotional guy after a loss at times to his own admission. And I'm curious to see if that continues, remains, or – or if it's different, or, or if the response is different with a different voice as his primary boss. So, so there are, there are going to be some things. I mean, at the professional level, he just has not been a head coach without Kyle Dubas around, and I'm curious to see what, if any, effect that has. 
Yeah, does he feel the need to walk back any comments in a world where Dubas is not around? I'm not sure Dubas yeah. was the guy that was uh, instrumental or maybe encouraged that. In fact, I would suggest it wasn't him, uh, but we'll see. We'll learn a few things now that Kyle isn't in the fold because I'm sure things will operate slightly different uh, at least. Um, Bradshaw Living Summer was interesting in that Nothing really changed. It wasn't this massive stamp. It wasn't this massive overhaul. There clearly he wanted to do some things to add some grit and some toughness and to change the dynamic around the stars, but the stars remain. And really the DNA of this team is about the same. When you look at what Living did and maybe what your expectations were before he started putting his touches on the team, Anything surprise you? Anything not add up? Anything stand out in terms of what he did and maybe what you expected to happen with the Leafs and with Trilliving? For the most part, I think this kind of went according to script. I mean, when he came in, he addressed the number one priority as Austin Matthews, and it took him until August 23rd for it to happen, but he got that done. Uh, the Sheldon Keith stuff didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it Usually when a general manager comes in, especially in these circumstances too, where Kyle Dubas was just, his contract was just not renewed and it wasn't necessarily results space. And there were other factors into it. You looked into that. He came into a situation where it, it made no, no sense for him to make any sort of drastic changes. Uh, you, you go in as a general manager, you have a tenure, you usually have some bullets to fire. A head coach is one of those bullets to fire, and you can do that later and, and, and make that change later, or you can wait. And usually almost every general manager waits in that situation. So um, regardless of, of a lot of those things, any major changes, I think he just kind of had to see the team for himself and not be, not be away from it to kind of know what works and what doesn't work. So I think you'll see more, not drastic from a core standpoint, but maybe more of a, a real feel difference when, when he takes over in a regular season situation and has to make any sort of mid-season change. Um, but uh, apart from everything else, this went according to how I think you would expect it to go for someone who is experienced yet has not worked in this particular market and is inheriting a good team that just hasn't pushed itself to a different level and has all the pieces there. So to come in and, and make any sort of massive core change probably would have put so much heat on him so early that was probably unnecessary because zero heat is on him right now, given the circumstances. So this went about where you'd expect I, I do still think like there's going to be some sort of major change on D at some point. I just don't know when it's going to happen. And uh, I think that will be the real testament to, to what Brad Tree Living brings to this team. We're chatting to David Alter, Maple Leafs reporter at Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. So yesterday was the golf tournament, and Ryan Reeves made a little bit of uh, social media buzz. Uh, asked about Radko Gudis, who celebrated in the face of Joseph Wall, young Joseph Wall, and said, "Well, I hope he tries that." Now I know he's he's playing up to the media, and, and media never everybody already likes what he's bringing in terms of his intensity. But I wonder what you think of his actual role, either on the ice. We know what it would be on in the locker room, but how you're perceiving what Ryan Reeves thinks his role will be and where he might fit with this Maple Leafs lineup. 
That's a great question, Elish. Like, I'm trying to figure that out as well because, I mean, there's the contract, which came in with three years. Uh, there's the fact that he's, he's 36. He's going into his 14th season in the NHL. The game evolves in the regular season, especially early on. It's all speed and skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wonder, is he going to be an everyday player or is he just going to get some spot duty and then is it just going to be a opponents-based or is it one of those things where as the games get more intense, you put him in more, but then is that good for the player that he's going in and out of the lineup? It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see because there is the, the, the cash commitment, which is not that big a deal if if you look at some of the ways you can bury cap hits, but it's more so is he taking a spot where someone else in that fourth line or wherever he plays is is uh, is being a detriment to the Toronto Maple Leafs in in the early part? I don't see it, um, but I, I do think there was a good reason for him to be brought in. You can see from the personality, you can see that he called himself a loud guy who, who doesn't take time uh, getting to know his teammates. He'll quickly chirp them and get them out of their comfort zone and, and wants to bring that different element in there. And, you know, the Leafs really haven't had that kind of personality in the room. They've, got, they've had some, but not, not quite like that. And so I, I'm curious to see if what he does is good enough it's really going to come down to his play on the ice. If he can't justify his spot in regular situations, they're not just going to throw him in just to, to get two to five minutes. Like I think those days are gone. Like in the height of Ryan Reeves play, he can, he can perform. Like I, I remember two seasons ago, he scored twice against the Maple Leafs in that game against the Rangers, which brought on Sheldon Keith's soft and purposeless comments. So so, like, there are still times where he could be dangerous on the ice, but he's going to have to show that consistently in order for him to justify his everyday presence because I don't think just being that guy who's going to intimidate players is just good enough in today's NHL. Yeah, if the problem was a quiet room, I mean, he doesn't have to cost anything on the cap to be in the room, technically. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this, uh, this situation plays out. But uh, the circumstances which brought him here uh, were interesting uh, when we uh, unpacked that initial signing. And we'll see how he uh, settles into the room and settles into his role. Uh, they are over the cap by almost $3 million, and I'm of the mind that you generally never have to worry about that, but should the Leafs be concerned or Leaf fans be concerned at all that they're about $3 million over the cap as we speak? No, I, I really don't think so. I mean, at the end of the day, when they get to it, if the worst-case scenario is they only have a 20-player roster, they'll do that. They were prepared to do that, and they did do that last season uh, before Jake Muzzin's injury, and that opened up roster spaces with LTI. So that would likely happen again in this situation where they would just start with 20. But in the years past, you've got three weeks of hockey. You've got seven preseason games and a lot can happen and you don't have to be cap compliant until the day before the season. And it just takes one mid range injury that is longer than a couple of weeks in order for them to not really have that be an issue anymore. So uh, the, the the thing with the cap there, and I always try and explain it, is they're not over the cap until they have to be under the cap, and that's the day before the regular season starts. And so 
Um, a lot can happen, and there's just going to be so many guys that are going to play between now and then that I would be shocked if there wasn't an injury and be good for them. But worst-case scenario, they just start with 20 guys on the roster instead of 23. We know the storyline over the last couple of days and week was Mike Babcock. Do you think that anyone will be asked about Mike Babcock, his relationship with the players, or has that ship sailed? And looking forward, if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets or a Maple Leafs fan. Yeah, he might get a question, but I think the fact that he's gone now and it's a couple of days that I think it's 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 probably the ship has sailed on that one. Uh, it, had he had still been around, like I remember when Mike Babcock was hired on July 1st and and the reports before that, I was already starting to circle the games mm-hmm. that the Leafs had against the Jackets because those were going to be very highly anticipated. And now they're not. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's it's interesting just to, to see how, how that kind of unfolded. Uh, and um, it really just goes to show you that maybe there is a transitional shift in terms of what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable in terms of coaching methods that that used to be before and are now and uh there is just no room for 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 error in those type of situations and if you make a mistake once you have to show that you're ready to never do it again and and that's clearly not what happened in this situation. Well, you might have had those games circled, but at least you didn't have a futures bet on a Jack Adams winner like one of these two co-hosts on oh, the no. radio show right now. I have a Hall right of now. Fame bad bet. Hall yeah. of Fame Might have been the worst <laughs> thing ever done. He never won it before, too. Well, uh, he, was final, he was finalist in his first season with the Maple Leafs, too. Well, he hit all the boxes, right? Justin like good thought. narrative, support from media members, maybe no, no longer any support, opportunity to yeah. turn around a team. Dead I thought money. it was an okay bet. But it will go in the graveyard as one of the worst of all time. I, I will not be refunded for that. Wow. Maybe, no way. maybe you will. Maybe you will. They, maybe. Re, they, re, they refunded uh, the Aaron Rodgers yeah. uh, props. So if but, they do that, and he played. So yeah, this is just my grievous error, though. <laughs> well, if we start talking about it now, some book will hear. And uh, they'll try to help you out there, Justin. Uh, well, David, thanks for jumping on this morning. Enjoy tomorrow's media day and the start of another season ahead. Yeah, you got it. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Uh, David Alter, Maple Leafs reporter at Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Grinder, we should have asked about it. I don't think he's I don't think he has missed a Leafs related event in years. Yeah. Traverse City. Just rattlesnake. Just putting the miles for the on. the golf tournament. He puts the miles in. Good for him. Uh, yeah, your bet might honestly be the funniest futures bet. I know your futures cuff, but that one is all time. Hall it's funny fame. too, because I was planning on maybe doing like a TikTok or something because I, I maintain <laughs> that the Jack Adams is the easiest sports market to profit in, in all of sports betting. Wow. And to start that off by absolutely yeah, maybe torching, don't, maybe torch, don't include that. torching a ticket by having Mike. What's your backup back. option? Well, there you, are a few out there. Okay. Well, we have time to set that up. I'll give you a couple. I think Spencer Carberry is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Big narrative. Because he has the Moves opportunity to improve if you, if you don't waste an OV season and you, you go crazy. Uh, Huska in, in Calgary. Mm. Interesting. So you just like new new names. Well, that's generally who wins. Yeah, yeah, no, People who good. turn around teams. Uh, Montgomery was the easiest one of all time. I mean, he had a mm. historic season and he had the story of coming back and redemption and all that. Like if, if you just kind of track 
who could like Rod Brandenburg can't win. You can't improve Rod the b- bod. He just won a couple years ago, but you can't improve a Carolina team by what mm. 30 points like you need to do because they're already at that level. So you have to pick a team that underachieved, maybe made a change and has the opportunity to be good. Okay. Well, and I thought that was Columbus. <laughs> Apparently not. Pascal Vincent. Oh my goodness. Pascal we got to find the number on Justin, Vincent. that's your bet. We'll find that's the number on, on Vincent. That's your break. bet is because he's got even more of the eyes and the narrative on him this year. Ooh. That's perfect. Actually. That's perfect. Let's okay, we're going to do that after the break. Uh, Donovan Bennett will join us, co-host of the Fan Checkdown and host of the Going Deep podcast. Uh, a doubleheader on a Monday. I'm not really a fan of that. I did like the Monday well, night I don't like football. Them overlapping. No, no, like, like if, just do them. Don't let them overlap because the whole point is is you sit down, and you watch one football game. Now you're watching two. At least Monday night football had a new th- song with my guy Chris Stapleton, so that was a win. I missed it. Ah, why did I play it for you during the break? Donovan Bennett, and then we'll wrap up the show with Awake and Rake. So send those picks in at five ninety five ninety. You got Jays Yankees tonight, a big one in the Bronx. You can send those in to us, and we'll put together our parlay. Justin and Ailish from the Fan Morning Show. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Week two in the books. It's the Fan Morning Show, by the way. Sports at 590 The Fan, Justin and Ailish. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, I know I missed one week. I'm kind of sad. We're already on a week three in the NFL season. I need to move on for my fantasy team 0-2. I'm playing mm. show this week, also 0-2, so a big battle of last place. And I hope that Donovan gives me some tips. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big <laughs> one. a tough go. Uh, that is an important one. Maybe he can help you out. Let's bring in co-host <laughs> of the Checkdown, uh, the Fan Checkdown, and the Going Deep podcast. That is, of course, Donovan Bennett, uh, how's it going, Donovan? Uh, pre- pleased to have you on this morning. Excuse me. Thank you for having me on. Although uh, no tips for you. Mm. Where was the invite to the fantasy league? I, I'm I not the commissioner. Down. The commissioner is actually the one that brought you on the show, and you talked to him, Daniele. So you bring your complaints up with him. I'm a well, I'm a newcomer as well. Well, this might be the last time I appear on the show. Well, you might as well make it good. You know, we'll cherish the next 20 minutes and try to get the best out of you. And maybe for the non-experts, right? Like, there's some people who are like, ah, do we need the people who host the NFL show in the league? I don't think Maddie's in the league either. So uh, it it may just be so that, uh, you know, there's still a degree of competitiveness (laughs) among those who are not fully, fully invested uh, like you are. I want to start with the Miami Dolphins because I think they are the story of the NFL, at least for me, uh, through two weeks. Tua Tagovailoa playing at MVP level. Hill might be the offensive player of the year candidate. Jalen Waddle. they just have so much on that offense, and they look like a team that can still make some improvements defensively and really shore things up. For you, has Miami graduated to that elite tier and broken into maybe that top three uh, in the AFC that's been dominating the AFC championship games uh, and Super Bowl appearances over the last couple of years? No, absolutely not. They haven't graduated anything this is where they are this is where they should be and preseason everyone has their takes and all of the analysts they couch their takes and what do they say if insert quarterback's name is healthy which is just like of course because if the quarterback that's the starter is not healthy then all teams hopes go to die but with the dolphins it's actually true like if tua is healthy they are one of the best teams in the nfl because when he has been healthy. They have played like one of the best teams in the NFL. 
the question is just how long will he be healthy for? You are essentially watching uh, NFL Red Zone, and whenever the Dolphins uh, show up, you're holding your breath. Are you showing me a Tua injury or touchdown pass for 70 yards to Tyreek Hill or Jay Waddle? Mm. So, yeah, there's no question. I think the start, it must be said, is, is really fast considering, um, one, their whole team is really fast. When you look at the NFL next-gen stats, like the four fastest runs are all by Dolphins players, including their coach running away from a jib camera. <laughs> but it, it, they start 2-0. Okay, great. 2-0 on the road against teams that coming into the season we expect would push for the playoffs, whether it's the Patriots or the Chargers. So, yeah, I, I expect them to be here. But, they made the playoffs last year with half a season of Tua and playing a bunch of quarterbacks that nobody wanted in fantasy, no matter how big your league is. So, again, if Tua is healthy, they should be in this conversation. The real question is how long? Because, remember, he was doing jujitsu in the offseason to learn how to fall. He told us that he was contemplating retirement so, uh, I mean, I know we'll, we'll certainly talk about health in general when it comes to the NFL, but uh, the only question about the Dolphins is how long the QB is upright for. Uh, does the same sort of logic apply, I, I guess, with Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow? Like, if they have a healthy quarterback, they are that elite team, but right now they haven't run out a healthy quarterback? I mean, the numbers for Joe Bur- Burrow are dreadful. Uh, he was actually showing that he was injured at the end of the game in Week 2. Uh, have they made a mistake here, and do they risk sub- submerging the entire season uh, by, by maybe rushing him back from that preseason injury or that training camp injury? Uh, there's obviously a new reality with him making some money, but uh, it seems like this has not gotten off to a great start with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, and despite going 0-2 to start last year, they risk something far worse to start this year. They do, but I think it's a little bit revisionist history. I know uh, my co-host on Fan Checkdown, Matt Marchese, was saying that yesterday. And my thing was, well, you weren't saying that when the season started. You were saying you're bullish on the Bengals, not him personally, but just in general, uh, because he was going to be able to get back and because we'd seen Joe Burrow miss the training camp and the team get off to a slow start. And by the end of the year, they were a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl. Uh, 0-2 for the fourth time in the last five years, they get off to slow starts. It's a soft tissue injury. And uh, you know when they're 100%? Never, right? You never really know. They feel good until they don't, whether it's a cap or a hamstring. The, the real issue is the lack of imagination in the play calling because of that injury. They were in the shotgun 98% of the time week one, which limits the amount of runs that you can do. Um, they're going three and out on 60% of drives. So they're not even sustaining drives. And, you know, we talk about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and their ability to escape. Well, low-key Joe Burrow uses his feet to extend plays to allow his receivers to make those big chunk plays. The question for me, whether Joe Burrow is healthy or not, is this offense and their launch angle. Everything for this offense, whether it's to Higgins or Boyd or Jamar Chase, it's home run or nothing. 21 pass attempts of 10 or more air yards, only completed six so far, not gained more than 20. Since they can't hit the home run ball, 
They don't have anything else. They don't have singles, doubles, or triples. And I think the book is out on them specifically when we saw what Cleveland did to them week one, playing so much man and in, in, uh, with some deep safeties taking away the deep ball. So I, I know there's a, a couple teams that are surprisingly 0-2 that people are willing to panic about. This is going to sound, I say counterintuitive, you might say illogical. I think they're the best 0-2 team right now. I also think they're going to have the toughest road to get back into the playoffs because of the division. And I think that's honestly why they rushed him is because they understood they've got a couple division games to start the year. They can't get off to a slow start uh, and think they're going to challenge to win it. Well, they did play him. They did get off to a slow start, and now he's hurt and could be down for a couple weeks. So real time to panic if you were a Bengals fan. Okay, so if you have some confidence that they're the best 0-2 team currently, uh, where are you with the Chargers? <laughs> because I don't know if that confidence level would be a- as high. The Chargers are going to charge her. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is what they do. You could change the coach. You could change the quarterback. You could change the city. Like, all of those things have changed, and the Chargers are the same. Uh, Brandon Staley is in his feelings right now. He's snapping at reporters, mm-hmm. saying that they're not thinking of the Jacksonville loss, which, for those who don't remember, you know they blew a multi-touchdown lead in the second half in a playoff game. Well, the reason why you might not be thinking about the Jacksonville loss is because there have been a bunch of blown leads by Brandon Staley that you could choose from. You don't have to just think of one. And when we started the Brandon Staley experiment, he was – analytics favorite hero he's going for it on fourth down even though sometimes he'd be underneath his own goalpost when he did it and he's losing games that way and now he's uber conservative not going for it not even kicking field goals punting late in games trying to hold on to a lead rather than extend it so i'm not really sure if he knows who he is at a coach i'm not really sure if he's going to be the coach uh much longer if this continues because they play well on offense they play well on defense but somehow they figure out ways to lose games so uh, they're not going to win the division uh, the, the chiefs are going to they still will be around uh, in the wild card conversation but i actually think if you're a chargers fan the questions are much bigger than the start it's What's our identity? How do we have all of this money spent, big-name players spent on our defense, and yet our defense continues to be the worst unit out of the three offense, defense, and special teams? Um, It could be worse. You could be a Vikings fan right now. But uh, the Chargers, I think for me, are the team who is wasting the most amount of talent for no good reason. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings are definitely uh, in that category as well. More talent, I would say, with the Chargers. Uh, but they face each other in Week 3. Loser goes to 0-3. Going to be tough to get out of that hole uh, either way. Uh, but it might be more predictable. Uh, it's predictable Doesn't on both like sides, tie, honestly. Though? Doesn't that feel like a tie? <laughs> and it very, very like well could be. a game where both franchises go away unhappy mm-hmm. and nobody gets off the side with a win. And then you're going to have all these random weird tiebreaker scenarios at the end of the year because these two teams couldn't figure out even with the new overtime rules how to win it or in this case lose a game I, i'm i don't know what the odds are on tie but i'll look it up a little money on it yeah, there you go that's a just five bucks uh for sure uh looking elsewhere in the nfc at least in terms of pivoting off the vikings there 
Uh, the NFC East looks very daunting. A combined 7-1 and one record. The only loss inside the division right now is the Giants' loss to San Francisco, which might be the best team in the entire league. Uh, is this a case of, hey, it's early on the season, small sample size, uh, commanders aren't it, uh, Dallas is still the same old Dallas team, or is there true, true power here, and this is going to be a heavyweight slugfest throughout the balance of the season in the NFC East? I think there's true power, and it'll be a heavyweight slugfest throughout the NFC. Philly are undefeated, but they got off to a relatively slow start offensively. Dallas has looked amazing, but the questions about them are not September and October. They're specifically, you know, are you going to play your best football in November and potentially December? But I think Washington is the feel-good story so far of the year, and it can be addition by subtraction. Uh, I don't know how much value there are uh, in the intangibles, how tangible they actually are, but it has to be nice to come to work and no longer have to answer questions from the New York Times or the Washington Post about the either immoral or illegal thing that your owner has done. And it's nice to have a competent play caller, and that's what Eric Bieniemy has done. All of a sudden, Washington, with all of the speed that they have, on offense, it looks pretty threat, pretty threatening. And I don't, no one really knew much about Sam Howell coming into the year. He had one meaningless uh, game at the end of the regular season last year when Dallas had not much to play for. But a couple of years ago at UNC, Sam Howell was graded as a early first round pick, potentially the first pick overall in the draft, went back to school. Essentially, everyone else at UNC graduated, had a terrible year, and his stock fell. But the the scouts would say, once you show me a standard, the talent's in there, we just have to find it and bring it out of you. And Eric B for president, Eric B enemy has brought out of them. And so I, I think the commanders being well above average makes that division really, really interesting because there's no easy games in it. The Giants, though, I think, are a bit of a fraud. And now that they've got Saquon down for, it looks like a couple weeks, uh, I expect them to fall back in the pack. But yeah, I, I love NFC East football. Cause it's also like football that I remember when I was young, like where running backs mattered. And uh, when you know, time of possession was a stat that people cared about. So shout out to the black and blue division, the, the NFC East. We're chatting with Donovan Bennett, host of the Fan Checkdown and host of the Going Deep podcast. Uh, by the way, plus 9,000 for a tie between the Chargers Ooh. and the Vikings. So there's your just five buck bet of the weekend. Yeah, squad ride on that. <laughs> there you go, so. squad ride. <laughs> Kick Abby on that. Um, okay, so the Bills last week versus the Bills this week uh, definitely helped raise maybe some confidence levels between Bills fans and, and the Buffalo area and beyond. But is it just temporary? Do you need to see much more than that from Josh Allen, even though he did have some vintage Josh Allen moments and he also did try to hurdle someone that was, you know, not even in a hurdleable position? <laughs> Josh Allen is going to Josh Allen. I said Chargers is going to Chargers. Like, this is what he does. Everyone has been in a relationship with someone who, you know, breaks your heart, does something they shouldn't, don't really trust them, give them another chance, and they're on their best behavior until they're not. And so, you know, those fans are saying, I want to see this for an extended period. Josh Allen plays as if he is 
on the set of the movie Jackass. Like he has to do something that is so outrageous and so <laughs> difficult to get laughs from the boys. Like, how about you just hit the check down? How about you just run out of bounds or slide or sure lower your shoulder if to your point, we might be able to get a first down. Not if we could punt from two yards uh, further. So, yeah, I, I think it, we've seen this from Josh Allen before. Following games where he's had three or more turnovers, he's 8-0. He learned the lesson, but like my toddler, 25 minutes later, he forgets the lesson that you tried to teach him, and he goes and exhibits bad behavior once again. So I, I think... When we talk about talent, who has more talent than the Bills? And Von Miller isn't even really on the field yet. The question is if Josh Allen will allow that talent to come to the forefront. The Bills' offense doesn't get stopped. They generally stop themselves either by forgetting that they uh, employ a running back or by Josh Allen thinking that he gets extra points for a degree of difficulty. So Bills fans, listen, the opposite would be worse. Like your QB could be Sean Watson or Kenny Pickett right now. But um, first, some say, oh, Josh Allen, he just has to grow up. Now, this is kind of who he is. Dude is closer to 30 than he is 20. And so I think you just have to ride out and hope that it doesn't creep up in a huge spot. Donovan, appreciate you jumping on today. You can listen to the fan check down live weekdays at 2 p.m. on Sportsnet 590 Fan. And of course, you can catch podcasts and yours going deep podcast. Looking forward to your upcoming chat with Jana Hefford. I know you're scheduled to chat with her sometime this week. So looking forward to that after yesterday's pretty awesome day in women's hockey world. Thanks so much, Donovan. We'll chat soon. Anytime. Donovan Bennett. Uh, because we're talking about coaching awards, just quickly on the NFL, mm. Sean McVay. 25 to one, the Rams were supposed to be beyond awful Mm -hmm. and they look good. Like, I'm not sure if they're good, but they've looked good. Mm -hmm. And Ron Rivera, the commander's two and oh, 35 to one. Who's the leading candidate? Mike McDaniel, seven to one. I don't think he's going to win. Mikey. I mean, he gets a lot of pub. He might be coaching the best team in the AFC by the end of the year, but like it's kind of the same team that just, they have a healthy quarterback. My guy, Dan Campbell in that list. Nine to one there. He's not winning. They're not good. He's, he has a better chance of winning than Mike Babcock. He does. So He does. There we go. He does. Uh, okay, speaking of bets, let's do a Wake and Rake to wrap up our show. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so Blue Jays back tonight um, at the Bronx against those Yankees that are just playing for not last place. Playing to not be less than 500, trying to not be lower than the Boston Red Sox. I, I think you're downgrading them a little no, bit I, too much. I think they're still a Playing team. Playing good baseball lately. Yes, but they're not playing for a chance in the no, postseason. That's true. That they're playing true. for a little pride, and those can be scary teams to play against. Pride can be a dangerous thing. Yes, pride can be a dangerous thing. I'm not downgrading them whatsoever, but technically they're playing for nothing but spoiler and to not be last in the ALE. So, and yes, scary things can happen. It is a coin flip tonight. It is a coin flip, which is strange. Uh, Toronto minus 115 and New York minus 105. We got Kikuchi on the mound versus Clark Schmidt. And I mean, it's Yankee Stadium. It's a big place to play in. And I like you say Kikuchi as a bounce back game tonight. I think I'm kind of willing it to happen as well. But uh, my pick will not come from the Jays, Yankees. Okay. I'm going to, last week I probably had my, just I just, I blew it every day. So, folks, we're just going to go to something that makes so much sense. Who's leading the MLB in strikeouts? 
I would guess Spencer Strider. How about Spencer Strider over strikeouts tonight? Over eight and a half against the Phillies, and the Braves got smoked by them last night, so they're going to have to turn it on. They're a team that still has a lot of baseball to be played left, and I like Spencer Strider over his strikeouts number. Can I go more simple than that? No. We need a win. Uh, I feel like this is a simple one, too. Uh, there's another high-performing pitcher in the National League. There are several, but mm-hmm. I guess this one might be the highest-performing one. Blake Snell, uh, probably going to win the NL Cy Young. Uh, he is he are, he is with the San Diego Padres hosting the Colorado Rockies oh, tonight. Perfect. Uh, they've done great work with Blake Snell. It's been a disaster season for the San Diego Padres, but their strategy with Snell, who pitches about five innings per start mm-hmm. and just puts up clean numbers, time in and time out. I expect them to do the same thing. I'll take them on the run line, minus 120. If he does his job, I expect San Diego to have a lead, and I expect them to carry it over the finish line against a Colorado Rockies team, which is, as we know, frankly not good. Okay, we got a lot of submissions today, so I'll go through them here. Jeff and Barry, Bobochette over zero and a half runs at plus 145. Get it well taught. Also, Isabel and Barry to forget her basketball shoes at school at even money. Ooh. I'll take that. Isabel, tough one. I've done that many, many times. Uh, Brandon from Keswick, 14 parlay. Okay. He's doing his own wake and rake. Uh, PSG minus one and a half. Jay's money line. White Sox money line. And Ronald Acuna Jr. home run. I, we'll have to get the odds on that. I but reckon that pays out pretty well. Sounds pretty good. Uh, morning, guys. I'm riding the under through five innings prop of the Jays game. They've hit it almost every game in the past week or so. May as well cash in on the Jays' pathetic bats. Ken yeah. on the 400. Kikuchi's been good through, what, two times of the order? Generally yes, blows up I maybe like the that. third. So that's a decent play. That's a good pick. Even three innings if you're feeling nervous. Uh, Greg and Fergus. Wake and rake. I like Baltimore at plus money on the money line. Gibson has the edge on Brown and pitching, and the Orioles are simply hitting better than the Astros right now, despite both teams playing well in September. Baltimore at plus money is generally a good idea. Okay. Uh, good morning. Love the excitement on the upcoming PWHL season. Having a daughter who is 10 in the inclusion of women's hockey is huge and very meaningful. Ailish's passion is felt through the radio. Thank you. Mm. My wake and rake this morning is on the Philly-Atlanta game. Sanchez over three and a half Ks. Oh, you could just watch that one and hope for Ks if you wanted to. I kind of like that. Just okay. bet the under in that game. Uh, so Sanchez over three and a half Ks. That's CJ and Stovall. Thanks for the nice message. Good morning. It's Big E, Eric in Burlington. I like the J minus 115 nationals and white Sox over nine and a half and brewers minus one and a half have a great day okay last one here courier chris and barry today morning elish and justin vlad said it best i love playing in new york but i'll never play for the yankees <laughs> so i'm going vlad jr hit a home run and over one and a half bases i like that that's a side bet for me okay Vlad's let's hot. under five or the strikeouts uh for the ranger or sorry the phillies Let's pick something in the Jays game because okay. we'll be tuned in tonight. So I like the Jays under first five line. Let's, let's do it. Do you let's like that? Yeah, I think it's the right one. Okay, let me lock that in. Makes a lot of sense. Under four and a half in the first five innings in the Blue Jays and Yankees game. Parlay that with the San, San Diego Padres on the run line and Spencer Strider over Case, and that's plus 503. There you go. It's a good one. Beautiful. All right, folks. Starting this week fresh. Let's do say so. It's the start of your week. It is start of my week. We lost yesterday. Oh, did you? Was it close? Would you pick Monday Night Football? To be honest, letters? I didn't play it, and I'm forgetting what uh, Brent's pick was. That's okay. Clearly, it wasn't profitable, or we'd have texts in this morning. Probably. Saying, you guys did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start fresh. Um, all right. Well, we got Blue Jays baseball tonight, 7-0-7. Kikuchi on the mound. Uh, looking to start this three-game set against the Yankees off on the right foot. We got that on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan, and always streaming on the Sportsnet app. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everyone.